Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Hear the word of the Lord. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you not give up all of your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds, that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. In our text this morning, we find Jesus on his one-way journey to Jerusalem as he was teaching and preaching and healing his way south from Galilee. His popularity was growing day by day. The text tells us that large crowds were traveling with him. I'm sure uh, the disciples must have been feeling pretty good about how things were going. After all, they had a, a growing army of supporters ready to storm Jerusalem and put him on the throne. And I can imagine Peter looking out rather satisfied over the crowd and saying to Jesus, look how many people are in the pews today, Jesus. We're pulling them in by the hundreds. Then Jesus turns and says some very harsh things to the crowd, things we would rather Jesus hadn't said. And I am quite certain that many people in the crowd turned and walked away and went back to their lives. And I can imagine the look on Peter's face as he watched him go saying, what did you have to say all that stuff for? Jesus, everybody was loving you. Why can't you just tell them what they want to hear? Our numbers were looking great. The church has often been hypnotized by numbers, especially in America. And we have often confused numbers with faithfulness and success. But Jesus had no such confusion. And he knew full well that not everyone in the crowd was truly one of his followers or even wanted to be. He also knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. And he didn't want anyone to be under any illusions about what it would take to stick with him. No, he wanted everyone to be clear about the cost 
of discipleship. You see, Jesus understood how easy it is to be a part of the crowd. See, when you're in the crowd, you don't have to step up and be counted. You don't have to make any real commitment. And yet you can fool yourself into believing that you're actually in the game, that you're a part of what's happening, that you're on the journey too. But you get to still play by your own rules and set your own conditions. And if the journey becomes too difficult or things aren't going your way, you can always slip away unnoticed through the crowd and choose a different path. Yes, it's very easy to be a part of the crowd traveling with Jesus and not be his disciple. So Jesus says to the crowd, anyone who comes to me and does not hate father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not take up the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, when Jesus says the word hate, he's actually using a common Middle Eastern idiom that has to do with priorities. It's about choosing. He's saying you cannot choose your family over me. You cannot even choose your own life over me. If you're going to be my disciple, then I have to be your first priority in your life, and you have to take up the cross and follow wherever I lead. Of course, we all know where Jesus went with his cross. This is the part of Christianity we don't like talking about. Oh, we love to talk about the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and the love of Jesus, and we should. But we don't much like talking about the cost of following Jesus. I think that's at least partly true because in our country, especially here in the South, it's been pretty easy to call ourselves Christians. After all, most of us were born into the crowd traveling with Jesus where everyone wants to get the door prize at the end of the party, but not too many are willing to make full commitment to Jesus because it's too difficult. But unless we're willing to stick with Jesus when the going gets tough and the demands become great, then we're not really his disciples. And Jesus makes it clear that if we're really following him, that we will face difficulty in our lives, even persecution. And yet somehow as American Christians, we, we think we can opt out of that. That we can set our own terms and conditions for our faith. That, that Jesus' words might apply to Christians in other countries, but not to us. I mean, after all, we have rights. But if we never face any struggles in our life as a result of our allegiance to Jesus, whether it be professional or social, or physical, or financial, then we have to ask ourselves whether we're truly following Jesus or some other false god that we have concocted for ourselves that better suits us, some non-demanding savior who promises us comfort and security without requiring any real commitment or sacrifice. But be very sure, that is not Jesus. 
Now, Jesus wants to make sure that we all consider the cost before we commit to following him. He says, if a king is going to go out to war, won't he first make sure that his army can beat the other before committing himself? Otherwise, he risks losing everything. And if you're going to do a building project, won't you first make sure that you have enough funds to complete it? Otherwise, when it's left undone, everyone will ridicule you for starting something and not being able to finish. So what Jesus is saying is that if we're going to be his disciples, if we're going to journey on the path to life with him, then there is no halfway. There is no partial commitment. There's only one way to make it, and that's if we're fully committed to Jesus wherever he leads us. Otherwise, when the going gets tough, when the journey becomes too difficult or too uncomfortable or too inconvenient, well, we'll slip away with the crowd, never finishing what we started, never making it to Jerusalem with Jesus, never experiencing the life that we were created for. In the city of Pittsburgh, back in the 1960s, the Fort Duquesne Bridge was being built over the Allegheny River, connecting downtown to what we call the north side. Due to construction delays, however, the bridge remained unfinished for six years as it ended literally in midair over the water. It was literally a bridge to nowhere. One unfortunate person discovered this when somehow they got up on the bridge and drove across the span off the edge and into the bank of the river where they crashed. In 1969, the bridge was finally finished and it became a bridge that was going somewhere as people began to cross it for the first time on a day that became known as Bridge Day. The truth is, we are all on a journey in life, and we are all seeking the bridge that will lead us to the place that we want to be in life. Now, for some of us, that bridge might seem like our careers. For others of us, we might think it is our dreams for a family or our plans for financial security. But in reality, there is only one bridge in all of creation that can lead us to the life that deep down all of us are longing for, the life that God intended for us, and the name of that bridge is Jesus. Our problem is that much of the time, we just don't believe that, that God's plans for our lives are better than our own. We're afraid that if we, if we give up everything and surrender ourselves to Jesus, that we'll be forced into some difficult, unpleasant life that doesn't satisfy us. So instead, we become if, when, as long as Christians. You know, I'll make a financial to the commitment to the church if, dot, dot, dot. I will become more involved in the church when dot, dot, dot. I will obey Jesus as long as, dot, dot, dot. Now, we tag along with Jesus until the cost of discipleship becomes too great 
until the demands of work or family or sports or comfort interfere. And then we walk away with the crowd to keep our options open. But that, my friends, is but a bridge to nowhere. And if you choose to take it eventually, you too will crash. But here's the secret. Jesus isn't demanding total commitment from us to ruin all of our fun and prevent us from getting where we want to be in life. Rather, total commitment to Jesus is the only chance we've got. It's only when we fully surrender ourselves to him that our our relationships and our possessions and our desires cease to control us. It's only when Jesus is master and Lord of our lives that we become liberated from all the things in our lives that enslave us and we become free to enjoy all of life as a gift. It is only when we lose our lives for Jesus' sake that we truly find them. We just don't believe that it's true. We're just afraid to commit. Now instead, we settle for being admirers of Jesus. See, in every crowd that traveled with Jesus, there were followers who would surrender their lives to him. And then there were admirers. Admirers are impressed with Jesus, and they find his words to be inspirational. They intellectually and philosophically approve of all that he's saying and doing, and they like being a part of the Jesus crowd. But their lives do not change. They do not see that his summons to follow him is a call to life and a call to freedom. They admire Jesus, but they walk away with the crowd when the cost becomes too great and obeying Jesus becomes too hard. Admirers hear Jesus calling them, but they cannot surrender and become his disciples. According to John Ortberg, the entire crowd admired Jesus. But while he was teaching, something happened in the hearts of a few of them that went way beyond admiration. For a few people, while he was speaking, their hearts started pounding and their minds started racing and something deep inside of them said, this is it. This is what I've been longing for my whole life, to be forgiven and cleansed of all my sin and mess, to know God, to have courage, to have life beyond constant worry and fear and anxiety, to be a part of God's work in my own little way to redeem this world, to have confidence beyond death. I must have this. I would rather have what this man has and give up everything else in the world than have everything else in the world and give up this man. Therefore, I will pay any price. I will do whatever he wants me to do. I will go wherever he tells me to go. I will be whatever he says I should be. I am leaving the crowd. I am no longer just an admirer. From this day on, I will live my life as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. How about you? Jesus is calling each one of us to follow him.
And he's not looking for admirers because that is but a bridge to nowhere. And Jesus wants you to walk with him on the journey and the bridge to life. But be very sure when you commit yourself to Jesus, you are exchanging one life for another. You're exchanging a life lived by your own efforts and your own agendas, hopelessly chasing after false idols that cannot save you or even satisfy you for a life lived by the power of the risen Christ within you who enables you to live with freedom and purpose and courage and joy. And I don't know about you, but I want that life. But today is a very special day in the life of our church. For not only is it Confirmation Sunday, when 27 young men and women will stand up and commit their lives to following Jesus, but today is also our Commitment Sunday when we dedicate our pledges to the ministry of Jesus Christ in and through this church for the year 2022. You know, making a financial pledge is one way that we step away from the crowd and become disciples of Jesus. So maybe, maybe instead we should call today Bridge Day. For when you make that commitment to Jesus and surrender your life to Him, then truly you are on a bridge that is going somewhere. Indeed, you are on the bridge to life. And it is my greatest hope that every one of you will come and join us on that journey. May it be so. Amen.